November 1st, 2023. We're in Masechet Bava Kama Bet Four lines from the top. Let's uh, go from there. Said the Gemara, Hacha Mai? Question mark. What's the halacha here with regards to these Avot Nizikin? The Mishnah mentioned four categories of Nezik. Nezik, of course, is translated as damage. And we're really talking about primarily damage that your property causes to someone else's. And in turn, each of these four categories, which each of them will return to and explain at greater detail in the next Amud or Dapim um, that lie ahead, the Shor, the Bor, Mav'e, and Hever, again, we'll define each of those again, but each one of those, by mentioning them as categories or as fathers or as parents, so to speak, it means they have derivatives, it means they have subcategories, it means that it's not just an ox, which is what gives you uh, damage um, liabilities that you have to pay if your ox is to damage. There are different types of ox damages, and each one of them will be broken up into smaller segments. And in turn, the question is, each of those segments which derive from the initial category, the Torah says X, and in turn we derive this, is a kayosebahen or lav kayosebahen? Those words translated as, uh, do we envision, do we understand according to halakha, that the subcategories, that the uh, derivatives of the main law have the same uh, law as the main law which is mentioned in the Torah or not? Do they have identical laws or do they have an identical general perspective that you're obligated to pay when you're damaged or not? That's the translation easiest uh, put uh, for this question of toldotehen kayotze bahen olav kayotze bahen. The tolada, the descendant, the derivative, is it following closely the av, the initial category mentioned in the Mishnah, which is derived from Pasuk in the Torah, or not? So, hachamai means here, what's the law? We talked about it with regards to Shabbat. We mentioned it with regards to Tum'ah and Tahara briefly as well. What about with regards to Nezik, Nezikin, those four we mentioned in the Mishnah? Now, if you're still a little bit, and that makes sense, confused as to what we're talking about, what the Gemara will give us a lot of space to spell out what we're talking about and in turn help us understand what does the question really mean. But that's the question. Amarav Papa, yesh mehen kayosebahen, yesh mehen lav kayosebahen. The uh, answer of Rav Papa is, well, sometimes the tolada, the subcategory, the derivatives of the main law will be similar to it. Other times it will not be. And everything we're going to discuss now is, well, what was he talking about? When is it and when's it not? He gave us this broad statement. Sometimes the category and the subcategory match up with one another. Sometimes they're different. It's a subcategory. It somehow falls under the heading of that category, but it doesn't have the same laws. Uh, what are you talking about? What's the, so that's what the Gemara sets out to do right now. Are we talking about the Qurban or are we talking about the punishment? So in terms of uh, defining, Jesse says, what does it mean? Are they similar? Are they dissimilar? If you recall, with regards to Shabbat, it meant with regards to punishment in the, in the broadest sense. With regards to Man Tahara, it meant how does it apply? So there's no simple answer to your question. Rashi, here on the left-hand side, Hachamai, he spells out the initial uh, action, Toldot de Shabbat havu ka'avot, Toldot de Tumah lo havu ka'avot. Right, those examples we gave beforehand. Last three words of the keywords over in this sentence. According to Rashi, the question is, will the subcategories be liable at all or not? 
in Hizik Mishalim. Again, we don't know what those subcategories are just yet, but the question according to Rashi is a very broad and basic question and simple. Do you pay for the subcategories or do you only pay for the ones that are explicit in the Torah? Uh, that's the question according to Rashi. I mentioned briefly, Rifa understands it a little bit differently. It's a little hard to fully explain that yet or at this point before we understand the principles a little bit better. But Rifa understands it as the details without getting into what that means. Do they align? You're certainly obligated if your property damages under almost all circumstances. Question is details with regards to how you pay and what you pay. How closely does that affiliate with the categories of? of I, I've, give me a few minutes. I, if I talk about it now, ninety percent of the class will turn off. So I'm I'm purposefully hiding that one for a minute or two. According to Rashi, that's the question of the Gemara. But then there would be no punishment. If it's lav kayotzebe, yeah, that's what it sounds like. Well, it might still be asur without a liability. It might be there's a prohibition from one of those. Nathan's suggesting, in other words, maybe there is, maybe even though it's toldote, there is a tolada and there's an isur, it's not a category of tashlume, of paying nezikin. It'll take a little bit of time to get to, I hate to tell you now, the one tolada, shelav kayotzebo. I'm giving you a preview already. All of them are going to be kayotzebo except for one. And you'll see on that one, there is liability. It's just not a full liability. That's a great question. I don't know. I, it's very possible he said this at some point and it got copied in and or we're just struggling and we only found one example, you know, but that's uh, it's a great point and it would have saved a lot of space if he just told us that. But it, listen, from that space, there's a lot of principles, a lot of laws that are, that are derived and understood. All right, so there's uh, one or two prefaces over here as we start this Tanura Banan. Tanura Banan, of course, is a Beraita. This Beraita will uh, initially start in a somewhat of another surprising way because our Mishnah said there are four categories and the first of them was Shor, so we imagine shor is the category, an ox, an animal which damages, and everything that somehow is affiliated with that will fall underneath it. When I says you're misunderstanding. Even this Beraita will tell us, even shor has three categories as avot. In other words, when the Torah talks about an animal which damages, it doesn't just say if your animal damages, it says if your animal damages like this, or your animal damages like that, or your animal damages like that. So those are all going to be considered avot. So it's kind of like one which is three, right? And then in each of those three, we'll then talk about the toladot, what falls underneath them. So as we're trying to categorize everything, we said sure, now the Beraita will initially begin and say, but sure, really, the Torah gives us three perspectives as to how your animal might damage. Each of those will then break up into toladot. So says the Beraita, Tanura Banan, the Beraita has the following, Shalosh Avot Ne'emru Beshor. There are three categories primary categories, biblical, Torah categories, that fall together with Shor. What are they? Hakeren, Vehashen, Veharegel. So each of these is its own category, which we're going to hopefully come to know and love very much. Keren. It's not against the Mishnah. They're, they, they are, Shor incorporates as an Av all three of these. You don't count them as separately because you can categorize it as Shor, even though these are all biblical in nature. The, the Mishnah was, uh, was, was being a little bit uh, brief in its, in its wording, although we'll, we'll complicate matters later. Okay, so what are these? Hakerin, just to translate the words, a kerin means a horn. Rashi says, lingoah. So the first type of damage is goring. 
that's with the uh, horn. Hashen means its tooth. Le'echol explains Rashi, when it eats from someone else's field. And lastly, Regel explains Rashi, dirisa, that's trampling, lishbora takelim, trample onto someone else's property, and you could destroy any of their utensils, that's what's called um, that's what's called regel. So those are the three categories of shor, the way your property might damage another person's keren, um, shen, and regel. So that's the Gemara. Okay, each of those, beautiful, very nice, logically makes sense. But you told me if they're considered an av, it means there's a pasuk in the Torah. What's the pasuk in the Torah for each one of these? By definition, the category is defined by written in the Torah. Keren minalan. So we're going first things first. Shor. It is keren shen regel. Keren minalan. Minalan is a compound word. Mina from where? Lan for us. Where do we know this? Where is it in the Torah? Detanur Rabbanan. We have a derasha from the Torah, from what it says in the Torah in this beraita. Ki yigah. The pasuk says the following. I'm going to read it to you and then translate it as we go. Vechi yigah shor et ish. If an animal gores a person. O et isha. A man or a woman. Vamet, and the person dies. In such a circumstance, the ox, which killed a person, gets stoned to death. Its flesh is not eaten. And after killing the shore, the ox, the property of the person, the person is not liable to anything more. Okay, so the Pasuk says, what does the word yigah mean? As I told you, it means to gore. En ela bakerin. To gore is defined by with the horns of the animal. So it goes heads on into something, into a person. There's another pasuk we'll read in a bit. Into an animal, killing, damaging. That's what's called nigiha bakerin. Shine emar. Who said that when the Torah says gore, it means goring with horns? Maybe it means some other type of goring. So we're going to have two pesukim now we're going to cite in which nigiha, that verb, nun gimal het, is used in the context of horns. And as a result, we'll say, oh, you see, that's what it means to be nogeh. means you use your horns. You go heads on into something. Two pesukim that use those words. One of them is, vayas lo sidkiya ben kena'ana karne barzel, We'll talk about the Pasuk in a moment, but you see the words over there? He makes this wicked person, Sidkiya ben Kena'ana, he makes Terne Barzel, he makes brass horns, and he demonstrates with them and says, With this, God will gore Aram. So you see in the Pasuk, we're talking about Keren. And we're talking about, excuse me, we're talking about nigiha, and we're talking about keren. We're talking about a, a horn, which will be used for the goring, and we're using the word gore, yigah. You see the definition in the Torah when it says ki yigah is a reference to with the horn. What's very briefly the context of that pasuk? This individual, Tzitkiyah ben Kana'ana, was one of the Nibye Habal. He was a false prophet for this Avodah Zarah during the time of Ahav and one of the other kings. And uh, he was trying to lead the people to fight against Aram, who were the, the enemy nation at the time. Now, we weren't supposed to be fighting against them. But he crafts this, as Nevi'im sometimes would, in order to demonstrate their point and get it across. They would graphically portray it to the people. He makes for them these horns made of brass. And he says, you see these? These are going to demonstrate the way that God will help us gore against uh, Aram. So you see Gah and you well, see Kerem. Why, 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 
just from his words. Right? In other words, I hear you. I'm, I have deal because it's not because a false prophet's not the same as these sorts of people. But you're trying to learn Arabic and you put on a channel of terrorists. Why are you learning from terrorists? Well, maybe I could pick up Arabic from them. We're learning a pasuk that's in the Navi. For the language that it uses, if it got codified in the Navi, our understanding is that's the way you would use the language in the Torah as well. That's right. the so this, is, this is really what you're trying to figure out language, not that's it. something Correct, correct. Ve'omer, and maybe this will make you happier, but then it'll make you wonder why we have the first pasuk. Ve'omer, and the pasuk says in Parashat Vezot Beracha, in the Beracha of Moshe to Yosef, Bechor Shoro Hadar Lo Vekarne Re'em, so it references horns, bahem karnav, bahem amim yinagah, yachtav avseyaris. So the pasuk talks about karnereim, horns, and yinagah, will gore. So you see, when the pasuk says in parashat mishpatim, ki gah ish shor, when the shor, ki gah shor et ish, when the shor, when the ox will go in gore, it's a reference to with its horns. Says the Gemara, okay, uh, very nice. I just have one question. It's the opposite of uh, A.B. Feldman. Once he gave me one pasuk, what do you need two pasukim for? And all you really needed to do was to demonstrate when, when the pasuk says, ki gah shor, it's a reference to with a horn, quote me one pasuk, even if it's from a false prophet, and I'll learn from that. Why do you need two? Says the Gemara, my ve'omer, quote unquote ve'omer. Why do you need one pasuk and then tell me, and it says, ve'chor, shorok, hadar, lo, ve'kaner, and so forth. Ve'chitema, you maybe would have said, divrei Torah mi divrei Kabbalah layalfinan. Maybe we don't learn words of Torah from words of Kabbalah. That's nevim and ketubim. Not because he's a false prophet, but because it's not Hamishah Chumshei Torah. There's a major qualitative difference between Hamishah Chumshei Torah and Nevi'im and Ketubim. The level of prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu was altogether different than that of any of the other Nevi'im, including, you know, the Nevi'im you know, Yermiyan, Yashaya, etc. And so as a result, maybe you can't compare a pasuk that's written in the Navi with a certain language to the words of Moshe in the Torah. Yeah, all right. Hang tight. Hang tight, hang tight. Hang tight, all right. Tashema, says the Gemara, we, that's from that we learn, Bechor Shoro Hadarlo. That's why we need this second pasuk from the Torah. Uh, parenthetically, the reason that Nevi'im are known as Divre Kabbalah, Rashi talks about a little bit elsewhere in Masechet Hulin, but generally speaking, we understand it just in its most basic senses. Again, Torah is written with what we re- refer to as Nivuah, more specifically Nivuat Moshe Rabbeinu, and the Nevi'im is already a lower level of prophecy. So, so to speak, the Divre Kabbalah, it's not per se binding for eternity, the words of the Nevi'im, whereas Torah, Hamshach Moshe Torah, is eternal word of God. The Nevi'im is an acceptance, so to speak, Kabbalah means to accept and to receive for that time period. They're mentioning ethics, morality, and direction for their generation. Doesn't per se, although of course we can learn plenty from it, doesn't per se have eternal binding nature. Okay, but that's the Gemara's suggestion right now. 
Says the Gemara, I, I, I can't even accept that, says the Gemara. Because the truth is, we weren't learning laws from the Navi. We were just learning language in the words of, of, of A.B. Feldman from earlier. If you're learning language from the Navi, that's what you would have thought. You can't compare the language of the Torah to the language of the Navi. It's one thing if you told me you can't learn a law, can't learn a concept from Navi and, 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 and apply it to Torah. That much I understand. You're learning language. What was the language? The Torah says, Ki yigah. Uh, it says, Ki shor et ish. Uh, so what was the word yigach? Well, I found the pasuk in Navi, which uses that, nagah, together with keren. You wouldn't be able to learn that. That's just comparing language. So the Gemara, v'hai melaf, who, question mark? Melaf, yelfina, means to learn. Was this really, quote, a learning um, uh, mechanism? Were you learning a law? No, it's gilui milta be'alma. Legalot means to reveal. Milta means a matter, a thing. Be'alma means only. All you're doing is defining a word. It's a translation device. That, of course, you could learn from the Navi. All we were deriving is that is with the Keren. Also, again, so back to square one. Why the necessity of two Pesukim? First a Pasuk from Navi, then a Pasuk from the Torah. Ela, rather, the first Pasuk would have been insufficient. Mahu de Tema, ki palig rahmana ben tam le mu'ad, hanemile betelusha. Aval be mechuberet, ema kula mu'edeti, tashema bechor shoro, so for, to understand this line, we need to now introduce what is one of the primary halachot of the first Perek of Masechet Bavakama and throughout the concept of Nizikim. You see, each one of these categories, as we mentioned more than once, has its own details. To give you one that's easy to understand. Uh, where is a bore, this pit, where are you liable if this pit was uh, dug? If it's on your property and someone comes onto your property and falls into that pit, you're not liable for it. It's only if it's what's called the Rishut Rabim, out in the public area. It's quite the opposite when it comes to those concepts we mentioned earlier. Shin, your property goes and damages someone else's. That's if it goes onto their property, starts eating from their bushes, from their things. That's when you're liable. If alternatively, they bring their vegetables onto your property and your animal starts eating from it, you're not liable. They pull their car into your driveway and your dog on your property goes and damages it, you're not liable. It's only if it's on their property. I'm mentioning all these to understand the different details even, applicable. Even the gory ones, if, you're, if it's on your property, it shouldn't be your liability. As, indeed, as, indeed. I will have to address it, but it seems that way, that even the goring says, um, says Alan, he says, listen, Kerin as well, he thinks should only be in Rashut Rabim or maybe in the Rashut Ahir. Okay, regardless, here's a funny detail. It's funny only the first time you hear it, maybe the first ten times you hear it, but then it, it settles in your mind. The Torah distinguishes between how many times the animal gores um, to be liable to full payment. In other words, the Torah makes clear that the first three times that that sure, that animal gores another animal, it only pays half payment. Uh, why so? The understanding is... That was a warning. Uh, that was a mistake. That was a, first three times, half payment. It's only on the th final time that then we understand you pay full amount. There's terminology for this. Terminology for this is the first three times it's known as a shortam. 
That's just the word, shortam. I don't know how to remember that. Like Yaakov, ishtam, it means it's simple and it just hasn't. The th- after the third time, it's known as a shor mu'ad. Mu'ad means forewarned. It's so to speak, you as the owner have already been warned. The animal already did this. That's where those two concepts. So again, the first three times it's shortam, you're paying half the amount. We call that hatsi nezik. Shor mu'ad, it's already forewarned, you pay the full amount. The second difference is between shortam and shormuad. I think we can start to use these words shortam first three times, shormuad afterwards, is that shortam pays migufo. Shortam pays um, based on the value of the animal itself. You don't pay more than the value of the animal that damaged. Uh, they damaged a million dollar product, but the animal itself is only worth uh, $10,000. You're not paying more than $10,000. You pay half of, of what it was, but you're not going to go higher than, that, than, the, than the value. Shor Mu'ad pays whatever the value of what it damaged is. Mm-hmm. That's another halakha derived from Pesukim. If it kills a human, it gets killed immediately. immediately. Yes. It doesn't get a second chance. Yeah, it doesn't get a second chance. That's uh, what it's worth. What's that? And no one is meant to learn what it's worth. What's in which circumstance? Give it a little bit of time. We're too far ahead. There's, there's details, but it's, it's much later. Oh, so anyway, but here we're talking about an animal which damages another or property. So again, so it says the Gemara, had you just, now we can understand these words, had you just had the Pasuk from Navi, well, let's listen to the funny situation in the Navi. Here was an individual, this Tzidkiah ben Kena'ana, who crafted a horn. And the horn was not on the animal's head. There was no animal. It was brass horn. If that's going to be your paradigm, your example to learn from uh, the concept of goring with a horn, you might have a mistaken understanding. So here it says the Gemara, if you had just had that pasuk, mahu de tema, mahu de tema means what would you have said? Ki palig rahmana, rahmana meaning the Torah, palig meaning splitting. When the Torah splits and differentiates, ben tam lemuad, we now know what those words mean, between the animal who pays half because it's the first three times, or the mu'ad, the animal which pays the full amount because it's afterwards, you maybe would have said, hanemi le bitlusha. Maybe you would, have, you would have made a funny deduction. You would have gone like this. The Torah says if an animal is yigah, I know that means it gores with its horn. Oh, but where am I learning that from? I'm learning it from Sidkiah. Sidkiah was when the horn was detached. Oh, so you want to know when you're liable only to half? When the animal puts the horn in its mouth and gores like that. That's when it's half the first three times. But if it gores with a horn that's on its head, well, the Torah was never talking about that. The Torah would tell you you're liable to full amount even the first time. One more time. If I'm deriving the law and understanding this law of shortam and shormuad of the animal, the ox which gores, and what it means to have a horn from this pasuk in the Navi, which describes having a horn which is detached, I might be overly literal. How would I be overly literal? I'll say, you know something, the Torah never struck me well. I, I didn't understand that. The Torah says you only pay half the first three. Who ever heard of just paying half? I'll tell you why, because it gave me a code word, yigah. That code word took me to the Navi and it says, when it's a funny case where the horn is outside, off of the head of the animal, puts it in its mouth and gores like that, that's when you pay half. If it's on its head in such a circumstance, you pay the full amount. Why wouldn't you pay the full That's what I would have said. Isn't this a far-fetched thing? For the- exactly the point. Since it's so far-fetched and so pay. irregular is the best word, right? It's not a normal thing. That's what the Torah says. Maybe over there and only over there you're paying half. 
That would be if I only had the pasuk by Tzitkiyah ben Kena'ana. That pasuk in the Navi, where he made the cra- where he crafted it as such. Therefore, says the, says the Beraita, said the Beraita, we need another pasuk. The other pasuk is Bechor Shoro Hadar Lo Vekarne Re'em. Pasuk is referring to a Re'em, an animal which has a horn on it. So you see, we use the wording of Nagah, of Goring, even when the horn is on the head. And you in turn understand quite simply, says the Gemara, that goring, even with the, the horn on the head of the animal, we apply these laws of shortam, the first three times only paying half, and short mu'ad afterwards paying full. When we, Therefore, say, when we say horn on the, on the, in a different spot than its head, are we saying that it damages in any way that doesn't normally damage? Or are we saying horn on its head? Are we saying if the, the shore uh, bumps into a guy and the guy breaks something? No, because um, it's an interesting question. Because our you're asking if you were to do so, you see, then it's not kidding. But then, very well said, Zabi. Then it wouldn't be considered kidding. Kidding has to be kavanatol hazik by definition. So it has to be that it's an irregular way of purposeful damaging through the horn. Through the horn. Now again, we're going to see in a little bit. It doesn't per se Kedin doesn't isn't defined only by the horn, but uh, owner because the Kedin was off his head that he left it around. Uh, in other words, even though it's irregular, why is he liable? Maybe that's the way to say it. It's on the owner regardless. You're supposed to be watching it to the extent that if you well, see yeah, something in. It, yeah. This, this, this is like a helmet that he presents. <laughs> no. So why, why is the horn on I'm, and off? This is my under, my understanding of it, but maybe this is just my imagination. Is these the two three animals fighting with each other? They're fighting with each other. They're locking horns. One of them rips off the horns of another. Another one. I'm, this is just since I was a kid. Maybe my rabbi taught it to me like this when I was a kid. I don't know. Another one. Puts its head down, pits it into his mouth, and then goes and gores like that. I think it got detached from someone's head. It's not exactly the example. Kiyabin Kana'ana is, is, is your example. I think this example is something that, you know, picked so he got up. Injured, his horns fell off, and he's using it. Or, some, or different ones. Or, uh, uh, mine is fighting against yours, it rips yours off, and then picks it up, and then stabs it. Any animal that picks it up? In yes. So, yes. in other words, yeah. Why are they starting with such a peculiar uh, thing to open up this? Yeah, that's a good question. It's a good question. Uh, two answers. Firstly, I, I've wondered that for a long time. I wondered more than that. I wondered for hundreds of years when people learned Maseche Bavakama how they didn't in the first few Dapim think that things were wild. The answer is first and foremost, people used to have a lot more animals and be involved with a lot more animals. So I don't think it was as crazy and as far-fetched any of these examples. That's number one. Number two, the principles are laid sometimes from funny examples. In other words, you have these far-off examples, but sometimes it's the best you can give so now I can learn all the all the details from it uh, down to, you know, today's day and age stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dangerous instrument. So it says the Gemara again, so therefore, when did the Torah Distinguished that it split bentam lemua the full payment and the half payment hanemile betelusha aval bemechuberet but if it's connected to the head emakula muadeti maybe I would say it's always considered muad what does muad mean forewarned you're always liable to full amount. Hashemah, it's that pasuk in the Torah which teaches me, Bechor Shoro Hadar Lo, that even when it's connected to the head. 
Several people were asking, why don't you just mention Bechol Shoro Hadar Lo? Why don't you just mention that Pasuk from Vezota Beracha? The answer, although it's not provided by the Rishonim on the page or off the page, probably is that that Pasuk is more a parable. It's less in a practical sense, the Pasuk of the Beracha of Moshe to Yosef. And it's easier to learn from a real case where there was actually a crafted horns and they were goring. That should be my primary example of how to attack with horns. As opposed to this Pasuk, it's not per se. It's talking about horns on an animal in some sort of figurative sense. It's not going to be my primary source. Evie's point from before, though, we're really not learning from the person or the action in the Pasuk, rather we're learning from the words and the way they were written. That's right. Then the Pasuk with Yosef at the end makes... But who said it's talking... But I, 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 I understand what you're saying. I'm suggesting that ultimately speaking, even as I'm using words, it's, if it's in the context of actual damage, it makes sense. That's the word I would use, in actual damage. Mm-hmm. As opposed to in a story and figurative description, maybe okay. different. We're not. We're learning a gilui as to the words from the Navi. Words, I, I, the halakha is not derived from there. I understand what yigah means from the words of the Navi. And that's, that they understand the Gemara is fine. But maybe you are learning halakha because now it's saying that if the horn is detached, it's still chayat. If you didn't have that pasuk, you might you might say that you might say you're not hayav at all. I don't think I don't think ultimately speaking we're learning that from there. Why? Why would you not say you're hayav at all? It's the first time. It's the regular way. What did I know? You're saying not learning from there. It's not a regular way. Saying irregular way, right? Irregular. You you would um, again when when all the dust settles right now. As far as I know, we're not learning that law from the navi. The navi isn't teaching me liability. It's teaching me that that's still considered a negiha. So I'm learning that the word yigah and shor means even when it's detached. I'm applying that now to Torah law, but it's not per se that the law was taught from there. There's a nuanced Rabbi, difference. Rabbi, but it can't be a law was taught from there because he's talking about a weapon. Right. He's talking about a weapon. No, no, no again, so, the, what, so what Dr. Wabe is, is pointing out is no. that that weapon, ultimately speaking, we right. now understand that if you if the animal kills with a weapon, you're also liable. Right, but he's talking about a human that's using a weapon. He's talking Understood. about a human being. It's like, it's like a sword. It's like Understood. Like, but so again, but that. again, but but we are. It's, we're learning from it as a gilui. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Agreed. But you're saying once we have a vocabulary. <laughs> You're saying that I wouldn't learn a law from it just because... I couldn't learn a law from it in a vacuum. If it was just written in the Navi, I don't learn law from it. If it's written in the Navi and I now apply it to, that's what it means in the Torah. Rabbi, is this like how we learn the two uh, is from the from Sisra? It's because that's we're learning what it means, the call to the uh, It says in Torah, just call to the uh, and then yes. Sisra. Good example. Thing, Good right? example. Good example. The Yevava of, of uh, M. Sisra. Uh, says the Gemara, all right, so now we've uh, a little bit come closer, but we haven't even talked about Tolada. All we did was the initial stage. We said, okay, so we broke up Shor, the category, into three categories. The first was Kerin, was Goring. Uh, my whole issue is, what about the Tolada? I don't even know what a Tolada. Ah, oh, now we find out, says the Gemara. So I found the Pasuk in the Torah. It took me a little bit of time to find the Pasuk in the Torah for Kerin. Being goring with a horn, the Torah never said anything about kerin in this context. Tolada de kerin mayhi question mark. So we keep talking about categories and subcategories, and fathers and children. What are they? What are the subcategories? Answers the Gemara: Nigifa, Nishicha, 
revisa uberita. It gave us four actions. Now pay attention. None of them, interestingly, are using a horn. So as much as we were focused on horn, that's the initial category. All of these are subcategories. Interesting question. Charlie says, Nishicha, he knows what the word means already. It means to bite. Shouldn't that be shen? The Gemara will ask that question. You want me to tell you now? The Gemara will tell... The Gemara will say, as Elliot says, shen means that the animal derives benefit. It enjoys it. It ate it. Nishicha means it's just doing it with the intent of damage. That's why it falls under Kerem. Each of these, each of these four, are for some reason going to be affiliated with Kerem. Once we piece them all together, the Gemara and Rashi will help us. So it means that Kerem is blank. That's the definition of Kerem. Anything that's like that is going to be considered Kerem. What do these things mean? Negifa means to push. Rashi, shedehafa begufa vehezika bekavana. So it's not per se with the horns, but it bangs into something with purposeful intent to damage. That's negifa. Uh, the second one is neshicha. As uh, Charlie said, it means to bite. So it bites something, but as Elliot helped us, but it's not per se eating it. It's not deriving benefit. That as well is purposeful intent to damage. Revisa means to squat or to sit on something. So if it sees, says Rashi, it sees some utensils along the way, and the animal's intention we can determine is to damage them, but not by uh, kicking or banging into, by sitting on them. That's what's called revisa. Fourth is be'ita. Be'ita means it kicks and breaks utensils by kicking. Not kicking something into the utensils. Keep that one in mind for a month from now. But rather, kicking the utensils directly with the intention to break them. Those four actions would fall under the heading of kerim. Interesting question. The Gemara will question that as well. The Gemara will suggest that regel is when you trample on someone else's property. Here we're talking about when it's in a public area. Uh, you preempted. And it's almost like you've been hanging out with uh, with uh, Eli. Yeah. Yeah, and, and these cat- subcategories are the same three, and, and the fourth is uh, that. All four of these, very good question, says Jeffrey. If they're parts of Karen, by definition, that means for us that first three times it's going to be half penalty, and last time it's going to be full penalty. All, all of these actions are going to be defined as shortam in the initial action, and only short mu'ad afterwards. Absolutely. How did we categorize these? I got that they're similar. What is, can we put a definition to the category over here? Rashi does so for us. It's important to see already from now. Rashi on the left-hand side, will suffice with this from now. Says Rashi, the first two lines he, we read, he tells you what it is to kick it. Says Rashi, I'll tell you why these are considered a subcategory of keren, of the horn goring. Number one, the kavanatan lehazik ki keren. They have intention to damage. That's a necessary uh, dimension of keren. Intentionality too, it's not accidental, it's not for other reasons. Number two, en hana'ala hazikan. There's no benefit in the damage uh, for the animal. Ki keren. Number three, en hezekan masui tadir. It's not a 
super prevalent damaging, whereas others might be. Hilkach, therefore, says Rashi, as Jeffrey told us, These four, the Be'ita, Revisa, Neshicha, and Negifa, are all part of Keren because they have intention, they're not so prevalent, and there's no benefit in the damage, and therefore they have the same laws of Keren with regard regards to how you pay and how much you pay. I will continue with this tomorrow. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.